0: Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast, our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much he loves us starts right now.
1: The beginning line of my note says, life is full of opposition. I think that's a true statement, don't you think? Life is full of opposition. So, Trying to understand the statement, I mean, the most important question is not will we face opposition. Rather, the most important question is how will we overcome the opposition we face. Pastor, say that again, guys. In this life, we know that we're gonna. It's gonna be full of opposition. We're gonna. It's gonna happen all over time. So, so the most important we need to, question we need to ask is how will we overcome the opposition we face. I like the story that's told of three men who were hiking in the wilderness, and when they came across this large raging river, they needed to get to the other side, but they didn't know how to do it. So the first guy prayed, God, give me strength to cross the river. Poof, right? God gave him big arms and strong legs, and he swam across that raging river, and it took him an hour, but he made it. The second guy, seeing this, prayed, God, give me strength and the tools to cross the river. Poof, God gave him a rowboat, and he rowed across the raging river. It took him 45 minutes, but he made it. Seeing this, the third man prayed, God, give me strength. Give me the tools and give me wisdom to cross this river. And poof, God gave him unbelievable wisdom. The man took out the map, examined it, hiked up. Stream for about a thousand yards and walked across the bridge. It took him only 15 minutes. You see, again, think about it. There's opposition in how we're going to handle it. Now, listen, church, wouldn't it be nice, honestly, if everything in life was easy? I mean, wouldn't it? I mean, think about this. It would be nice if there were only downhills and no uphills. It would be nice if there were only mountaintops, no valleys. It would be nice if there were only roses, but no thorns. But if we're honest, this evening, that's not the way things work in the world where we live. If we're honest, life is full of challenges, life is full of obstacles, and life is full of opposition. When we make it our goal, and you've heard me say this a thousand times, when we make it our goal to really jump in the pool, if you will, metaphorically, to serve the Lord, when we say, look, Lord, I surrender, I give up, I'm in, I'm in in complete obedience to who God is and his word. When we do that, guys, and we set our hearts and minds to accomplish his purpose, we can expect that we'll face obstacles and opposition. It really bothers me at times when we'll be listening to a preacher, and, and, and I, I, I'm the first one on the bus for, for motivation, but when that motivation brings us to the place, if we're honest... If that motivation brings us to the place where, where it says, hey, you become a Christian, you'll have no obstacles. You're the head. You just do this. And then and it's just silly. Why? Because life is full of opposition. And we can expect our adversary, our enemy, Satan, and all those who work on his side, they will do all that they can to derail our progress and bring us to a halt. That's what he wants to do. He wants to trip us up. He wants to put us on the shelf. What do you mean, Pastor? Okay, so you go and you go. That's it. That's it. I'm done. I'm giving it all to God. He spoke into me. I feel him in my heart and I'm going to follow you, Jesus, with all of my heart. I'm going to jump in. You can expect that there's going to be opposition and what he wants to do is he wants to take you back to where you were and even farther. That's what he wants to do. That's what we're looking at tonight. Now, let's chat for just a moment, church. We should never be surprised when we experienced opposition as we endeavor to walk by faith. We should never go, wow, why is this attack happening to me? Wow, why is this happening? Here's why. Jesus told us, now jot this down, it's it's John 16, He says, in this world, you'll have trouble. That's what he tells us. He says, you're going to have trouble. And add this to the fact that we have an enemy, an adversary, who opposes all the the good plans that the Lord has for us. It was the Apostle Paul who wrote, In fact, everyone who wants to live godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Can I get an amen? Not a whole lot of amens on that, right? You go, why? Because did you hear what Paul just said? He said, if you're going to step out and live a godly life, you are going to be persecuted. You are not going to be like, I want to be liked. I just want to be, I want everybody to like me. If you're going to live a godly life, you're going to be persecuted. There's going to be people that will not like you. That's what Paul just said. Peter wrote this in 1 Peter 4:12, he said, "Dear friends, don't be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering, as though something strange were happening to you. The Word of God, guys, is filled." It's filled with him warning us, going, if you want to live godly, if you're going to be a Christian, listen, I'm not saying a Christian in name only, a Christian with the T-shirt, i got the T-shirt, I'm a Christian. I'm talking about those that are walking with Jesus in obedience to his word and following him with all of their heart. Guys, we're going to face opposition and persecution. We're going to face obstacles. It's in the word. And we we need to remember that it's like, okay, there's nothing strange. Let me ask you this, church, you don't have to answer, but were you attacked today? Was there something that happened to you? you, Oh, man, I can't believe this happened. Well, it's not strange. It's not strange. Peter also wrote this to us, guys. He tells us, he says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walks about seeking whom he may to devour, whom resists steadfast, the faith, 1 Peter 5 Eight through nine. And so, unfortunately, as much as we would prefer otherwise, we have an enemy. We have an adversary. Those whose sole intent is to oppose anything the Lord has accomplished for us at the cross. And what he's gonna do, listen, he's gonna try to prevent that and to pervert us from accessing all the promised blessings that God has. There are many reasons why this is so, but primarily because the devil knows that his time is short and he's doing everything he can to, what? to delay his eventual demise, right? He's going to end up in the lake of fire. So what happens? He's doing everything he can to get us as believers to stumble, to be opposed. So our adversary, the devil, as well as natural circumstances and situations, what do they do? They conspire together against the people of God to hinder, listen to me, and if possible, prevent us from walking with God. With Walking with God. So God, he's made it clear in his word that the Christian life is going to be full of obstacles in in opposition. You go, Pastor, okay, I got this. Not exactly what I wanted to hear on a Wednesday night, but listen, as we approach Ezra chapter 4, It should not surprise us at all that the Jewish pilgrims that have returned from captivity, right? They begin rebuilding the, what, the temple of God. They begin building the foundation in Jerusalem that they were going to face opposition. And it parallels our lives, I mean, amazingly. They're going back. They have one goal in mind. They want to restore the temple, right? They want to restore. They want to get the foundation laid, and they want to restore the temple, And you would think, well, they're not bothering anybody. What's the problem? And so, again, think about it, church. We know that they're going to face some opposition. Now, listen. So, in chapter 3, everything was awesome. Everything was amazing. The children of Israel, they come back, right? They've been in Babylon. They've been in captivity for 70 years. And so, they come back and, well guess what, church? It was a bit disappointing because they came back and they realized that everything that they had left, the temple, it's all ruins. And so they came back and they saw the temple and they saw the place that they were worshiped. Now, remember, the walls are broken and you go, why were they upset with the walls? Why were they upset? Well, think about this. The walls provided security so they could worship their God freely. And of course, the temple was the place where they met with God. So they come back and they're sort of bummed. They're sort of really, really upset, right? But not only were they, were they bummed, but they were also excited. They had great fulfillment because now God was about to do something. And I think about that, and I want you to put yourself in the shoes for just a moment. And you go, what do you mean? I, sometimes I think our lives are a lot like Jerusalem. And you go, Pastor, how so? There are times in our lives, if we're honest, guys, that our choices we've made have not been good ones. You go, know, what do you mean? Reel in your mind just a little bit. Why was Israel in Babylon for 70 years? Because the choices they made took them there. Okay? You had the prophet Hosea. You had all of these prophets. You had these guys saying, judgment is coming. The Assyrians are coming. The Babylonians are coming. Watch out. They're coming. They're coming. Judgment is coming, right? And all of a sudden, they're like, nah, we're cool. We're not going to keep the Sabbath. And, and they made some... Bad choices. Everybody say bad choices. Because I think we do that too, right? Right? When, when it comes to a choice in our lives, we, we sort of evaluate all the information and, and we think, okay, I'm not sure what I need to do. And so we'll take a step. And sometimes it's a really good choice. And it's choice based upon um, counsel. It's based upon wisdom. And it's based upon uh, your your walk with God. And it's based upon his word. And it's good. And then there are times when we don't, basically, we don't ask any of those and we make Bad choices. And I think some of these choices that we've made in our lives, they devastate our lives. The walls are broken. Foundations are busted. And what happens, guys, in our lives, like Jerusalem, we're left to pick up the pieces. And then God steps in and renews our hearts, like He did with Israel. Can you imagine? For a moment, I want you to picture you walk back and you're devastated because of the choices they've made. Now, only fifty thousand people have come back, and so they're looking and they're going, okay. But I was thinking, I was thinking, wow, look at that! God steps in, but they're but they're excited. Why? Because we're in home, we're in Jerusalem. God's going to do something.
2: And I started to think, isn't God the only one who can fill our hearts with great fulfillment? Think
1: about it like this, guys. I've told this story before, but I want you to. I want you to just sit back and listen to it. It's John chapter 4. We know it as the woman at the well. Do you remember that? Do you remember that story? Jesus had to go through Samaria. And the, and, and, and the Jews didn't like the Samaritans. They were They were always, they just, they'd rather skirt, guys, the Jordan River and take the longer route than go through Samaria. But Jesus had a plan. And he knew there was a woman there who had made some bad choices who was going to need the touch that only he could bring. And so what happens is Jesus tells his disciples, he says, hey, guys, guess what? We're, we're going to go to Samaria. And they're like, no, boss, let's not go to Samaria. Let's just not go. He goes, no, we need to go to Samaria. So he takes them and he says, okay, boys, go get us some food. And while he's doing that, here comes a woman who is a social outcast who probably made some bad choices in her life. How do you know? Well, we know the story, right? She had five husbands. She's living with a guy. She's made some bad choices choices. And so they get this dialogue and she's freaked out. Why? Because the Samaritan woman should never talk to a Jewish rabbi or even a Jewish man, but they mean much less a rabbi. And so they're having this conversation and she's like, are you serious? And then Jesus is, man, Jesus is making progress to win her heart. Jesus is making progress, but then he does something that I don't think I would ever do. He actually acts, he asks her to go call her husband. Hey, go call your husband. At that point, I bet her face is just like, and she says, I don't have a husband. And he looks at her and he says, that's right, you don't have a husband, right? You've had five and now you're living with this guy. And so she's sitting here going, whoa, 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 right? Now, here's the thing. If you're going to make a convert, if you're going to try to win people to Jesus, the one thing you don't
2: want to do is bring up all the ugliness of their past, Now, you don't take someone to coffee and go hey listen
1: you know i noticed that on social media that you did this and you did this and you did this and, you did this and you're this and this i mean it mean that's what's what's going to happen guys what's going to happen is that it's going to spark a defense in our heart wait a minute let me show you let me tell you something and we we automatically guys when when somebody reveals our deepest darkest messes what we want to do is we want to defend ourselves
2: to the point Where we're not listening anymore. We're not listening anymore. We're starting to think, how can I respond to this?
1: And so Jesus lovingly says, hey, go call your husband.
2: You know that her heart was probably hurt at this point, it was very tender. And she's honest with him, guys, I think
1: I think, much like Jerusalem and the choices that we made in the pieces that are broken, I think the very first step to being fulfilled by God honestly is that to be honest with him. You see, there are times when we like to we like to try, try to cover up some stuff with everybody else. you know it's like, listen, I'm not going to let you in too far. I'm just going to hold you right here. It's all good. But when Jesus asks us, I think the first thing to do is just be really honest. Go call your husband. I don't have a husband. That's right. You've had five. And you're living with this dude, right? Well, what's the point, Pastor? What are you trying to get at? Well, here's what I want you to see, guys. Here's what I want you to see. When we're trying to win people to Jesus, it's very hard to touch a a tender and hurting heart. Because they become defensive. We become defensive. It's only in the touch of Jesus, guys, that he can bring healing. And I see that throughout Scripture. Listen, he is going after that space that only he can heal. Jesus is going after that tender spot that she doesn't want anyone to touch. And yet, you and I know, because we have the whole book, we have the ending. At this point, listen, she doesn't know what's going to happen, but he's beginning to touch. She's probably going, ow, 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 ow. At this point, she's probably, eyes are just red with tears. Snot is coming down because this is not just a, this is not just a, a one of those cries, you know, where you just kind of cry with a little tear and people ask you what's going on. You go, I have allergies. This is a full on. This hurts. My life is a mess. I've made some bad choices and Jesus begins to reach in and you go, "Well, why would Jesus touch I don't like it when he touches my heart like that." But see, it's in the it's in his touch that he brings healing. And so many of us, guys, we want to be healed, but we don't want to go to Jesus to get it. I can do it. I can do it. I'm t- I-. and Jesus goes, "Hey, can I Do you want to be made well?" Listen, I uh, hey, uh hmm if I'm well, does I have to go to church? Like, like, do I have to go to church
2: on Sunday and Wednesday? Seriously, that's a lot. Do I have to? Hmm. Hang on, Jesus, time out. Let me let me talk to my wife here. See if I want to be made well. What do you think? You know. And I think I think Jesus comes to us and and He begins to touch that. But I think we need to be willing to let Him heal our hearts. I think this lady, guys, I think she gets a bad rap.
1: In our minds, when we read John chapter 4, we automatically think that she was promiscuous and she was just a whatever you want to call it, and there she is. And, but
2: I, I, I just wonder. I wonder what, why she wasn't married to this guy. You know, and, and there's a lot
1: of hurts in our lives. If we're honest, I think there's a lot of hurts in our lives that prevent
2: us from, well, if you will, if you're here on Sunday, it prevents us from getting out of the boat. You see, Peter and the disciples were rowing as hard
1: as they could in a storm. Jesus comes walking on the water. Peter looks at Jesus and says, If that's you, bid me to come. And Jesus says, Come on. And Peter got out of the boat. I guess my question is this. We know the story. Peter got out of the boat, took a few steps, did walk on water. Can I get an amen? He did. But then he went, bloop 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 bloop, started to drown. Jesus saved me. Jesus pulls him up. The Bible doesn't tell us, but I wonder if he ever tried that again.
2: I would hope so. Remember, John is just snapshots. But I would hope that, that
1: there would be another time. Jesus comes walking on the water that we're not aware of. And Peter's like, this time I'm going to do it. And he got out of the boat and he walked. And he says, I know what happened. I know what I did last time. I took my eyes off the Lord. This time I'm not taking my eyes off the Lord. And and the point is, the point is, we don't know if Peter ever got out of the boat again. But I hope we do. I hope we do. And I think the woman here, guys, the woman over here, she gets a bad rap because we don't really know her life. We don't know that maybe all of her husbands have died. And at this point, she's going and she's the social outcast and and she's not going to get married again because that has been a very painful experience for her. And she's just not going to do it. And we don't know if the guy's been asking, sweetie, do you want to get married? No. mm -mm. Why not? All of my husbands have died. I don't want you to be the sixth. No, I'm not going to go through that again. We don't know. Isn't that a real? That's a very real hurt. You know, another choice, guys, that she may have compromised her beliefs. She got married early on and ended in a divorce and then another bad choice and another bad choice and another bad choice. And that doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with her. It just means that just like Jerusalem, we have made bad choices in our lives. And at this point, she's like, I'm not going to get married. Or she was a perpetual adulterer. We don't know. But here's what I think about the perpetual adulterer. Think about this. What if she was? What if she was married, had an affair? Married, had an affair. Married, had an affair. And at this point, she's just not. But, but here's my point. Listen, and here's what I want you to take home, guys. You've got to grasp this, okay? I wonder if in her life, at this point, she had convinced herself that's who she was,
2: and she could never get past it anymore. I wonder if the opposition was she, was she was allowing her past to dictate her future instead of going, no, this
1: has got to stop. Well, we know the end of the story. Guys, God gives it to us. God heals her heart that has been broken by life. We all have that broken heart. And the woman says to Jesus, I know the Messiah is coming. He's called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And he's like, you know what? Jesus said, listen, I who speak to you am he. And Jesus looks at her and says, "Ah, it's me. Game over. I'm him. At that point, her heart gets healed. Why? Because she left her water pot. She went her way to the city. She said to the men, come see a man who told me all things I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out to the city and they came to him. Listen, here's the point I'm trying to make. Jerusalem, the Israelites made bad choices. Everything's a mess and they're broken. And they're looking at the foundation and they're going, is this ever going to be the way it used to be? Is the temple ever going to be the way? Well, a lot of it is our lives. But listen, can I tell you that it is? And it will be. Why? Because Jesus is the only one that can fill our hearts with great fulfillment. Even though our lives seem sad at points, there are times when you go, only he is the one who can bring that great fulfillment. He can heal our broken hearts. Well, as we cover the book of Ezra, guys, as we come to chapter 4, we see a change in climate. There will be opposition to the work, but it's going to come through compromise. If you're taking note, Webster defines compromise like this. To weaken a reputation or principle by accepting standards that are lower than desirable, that's a compromise. To bring into disrepute or danger by indiscreet, foolish, or reckless behavior, that's a compromise. Cause to become vulnerable or function less effectively. That's compromise. The enemy of Israel wants to get them to compromise the work, how church, by joining with them. They're not gonna come and just be in this frontal, hey, this, here's we're going let's go. You know what are you doing? They're gonna come in and they're gonna try to they're gonna try to weasel their way in and they're gonna infiltrate them. And let me tell you this, guys. This is a a great lesson to learn. You can infiltrate your enemy by being among them day by day. You can slowly get someone to compromise in their walks by walking with them day by day in opposition. You see, it's one thing for the enemies of Israel to go, Hey, you're not going to work. We're going to, come on, we're going to war. But they knew that they would have They'd have a huge battle on their hands. But here's a better way. A better way is coming and going, we're all friends. Hey, guys, what's up? We were waiting for you. This is awesome. Let's
2: help. What can we do?
1: Right? And so I decided to call this message Opposition Through Compromise. For tonight we discover that when Israel begins to work to rebuilding the temple, opposition comes. When God begins to work in our lives to rebuild our hearts and our lives, there's going to be opposition. Just like in the book of Nehemiah, if you remember, when he began to build, rebuild the walls and the gates, what happened? There was opposition, right? Something we can all count on. As we walk close to Jesus, the enemy comes out and tries to get us to compromise in our walks with God. So... That's our intro, okay? Opposition through compromise. We're going to look at the first four verses, but let's look at Ezra chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. You guys ready? Now, when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the descendants of the captivity were building the temple of the Lord God of Israel, they came to Zerubbabel and the heads of the father's houses and said to him, Let us build with you, for we seek your God. As you do, we've sacrificed to him since the day of Esarhaddon, king of is, uh, Assyria, who brought us here. Now we need to stop right there. Okay, this is huge. Right, Because Ezra chapter three. They're shouting for joy. We've made it back. Listen, we're we've got we've got some of the stuff, and it's 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 um. We've got we've got some some fulfillment. We've got some disappointing fulfillment. We, we've got some joy mingling you know, with, with, with disappointment. We get it, but there's still shouts, right? Verse 13 tells us there were shouts, but I bet those shouts got the attention of all the inhabitants on the land. And so what happens is, I, notice, I want you to notice something. The Ezra characterizes those who make an offer to Judah and Benjamin, right? What does he call them? The first thing he calls them is adversaries, right? If you're taking note, those are enemies. Now listen to their claim. Okay. Ezra goes, Hey, we had, we had some, we had some opposition right off the bat. Now here's their claim. They come in very subtly and they'll say, Hey, let us build with you. We seek your God as you do. We've sacrificed to him all the way back since, since the king of Assyria led us. And I'm thinking, wow, is that true? Is that true? You go, I don't think so. Here's the real story, guys. Listen to this. Second Kings chapter 17. Now just listen, okay? It says, the king of Assyria transported a group of people from Babylon, and it gives all of these names, and they resettled them there in the towns of Samaria. Now remember, here you have Jerusalem, and in a little bit up north, right, is the town of Samaria, kind of right in there. So, so all of a sudden, he says, they've, they've transported the enemies, foreigners, into the surrounding towns of Israel, of Jerusalem, right? Now, notice, it says, they were replacing the people of Israel. So they took possession in Samaria and lived in its towns. But since these foreign settlers did not worship the Lord when they first arrived, the Lord sent lions among them and he killed some of them. So a message was sent to the king of Assyria. People, The people you have sent to live in the towns of Samaria do not know the religious customs of the God of the land. He sent lions among to destroy them because they have not worshipped him correctly. The king of Assyria then commanded, Ah, send one of the exiled priests back to Samaria. Let him live there and teach the new residents the religious customs of the God of the land. So one of the priests who had been exiled from Samaria returned to Bethel and taught the new residents how to worship the Lord. Verse 29. But these various groups of foreigners also continued to worship their own gods. In town after town where they lived, they placed their idols at pagan shrines that the people of Samaria had built. Here's the real story, guys. The real story was they come in going, hey, let's just be friends. Let's just, hey, listen, what, what, what was their rap? The rap was this. Let us build with you. Right? We seek your God as you do. No, 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 no. The real story was you guys are posers. You, 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 you got scared because you were, you came in and, and you weren't worshiping God and this lion jumps out and he starts eating people. They're like, ah, what do we do? I know. We'll fake Christianity. We'll just, we'll just pretend that we're worshiping God. We'll just appease them by learning your customs. But but our heart is still over here when we worship the gods and we build shrines to them. And, and, and the word of God says this. The word of God says, although they learn how to worship God through the priest, it says, but they continue to worship
2: their own gods. And, and they never really made a commitment. And you're thinking, well, what's going on?
1: Well, guys, that's a lot that happens to us. Let's get some application in here. That's a lot what happens. We're walking with Jesus and we're just, listen, I'm going to follow Jesus. And the enemy comes in and he goes, Hey, listen, I'm a Christian
2: too. Oh, man, yeah. I do what you do.
1: Ivan can sing some songs. Bless the Lord, you know, and, and they've got all of the, and they, and, and you're just like, man, I, I, okay, okay. And all the while they're sitting there going, Oh hold on man, hold on. Hold on. And, and they're smoking and they're talking and they're drinking and they're having all of this and they're doing and you're going, wait a minute, I thought you were I thought you were the bless the Lord. Yeah, yeah, but but he's cool. He's cool. I, I, I listen, listen, I'm not I'm not like all deep into church and stuff like that. I go occasionally. Man, you see, listen, me and God, we have our own deal going. And and, 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 and he lets me do what I want to do. And it's all cool. And I'll worship. But listen, I'm a Christian just like that's exactly what they're saying. And that happens to us, guys. And people from all over the land, all over Lubbock, all over Texas, all over the world come in and they'll claim Christianity, but they have no desire to be obedient to his word. They'll claim, I am a Christian, but they'll they will stray from obedience to God's word and who he is and churches all over the world welcome people in and high five them and say it's okay you can do good you're going to do better that's all right. don't worry about what's going on and, and 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 we cater to the people because we want big churches instead of saying you've got to be careful because christianity is about true obedience to christ it's about saying, I'm going to follow you, Jesus, no matter what. I'm going to lay my, down, my life down. See, there's a lot of us who would, who, would let, who, who would willingly say, I would die for you, Jesus. Can I get an amen? But as my, my wonderful wife points out, there's a lot of people who will gladly die for Jesus, but how many of us are willing to live for him on a daily basis without compromise, Without the world going, wait a minute.
2: Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm not sure. Huh. Huh. We seek your God as you do.
1: We've sacrificed him. Guys, they're 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 posers. They're posers. They're coming to they're coming to what? To Judah and Benjamin, and they're pretending that they're interested in helping to rebuild the temple. They're not interested in that. These are, these are their adversaries. These are the enemies. And according to the word of God, they were simply served the Lord to appease them, to keep, uh, to keep God from killing them. But the context tells us that they were enemies of the Lord. Now, here's the question. Here's what I want you to write down. If you were in Israel, what would you do? You go, Pastor, I'm not sure what you mean. Well, let's chat, right? Because there's a lesson we can learn here. You know, what's the lesson? Are we, are we going to be men pleasers or are we going to be God pleasers? I mean, there, let, let's be honest. There is this war. I mean, we, we, okay, listen, we want people to like us. I get that, right? I mean, that's how, that's just, we, we want, we don't want people not to like us. What's the matter? My goal is for everybody to hate me. Well, you're working good at it. That's not us, right? Because he made us, He made us to be able to communicate, He made us to be able to like each other, he made. It, but, but here's the point, guys, here's the point. If that is greater than pleasing God, we have, we're like the children of Israel. Here's what I want you to think about. What what is the reality of what's happening here? The pilgrims, the returnees are at a vulnerable state, aren't they not? Right. Because they've come in, they see that the foundation is a mess, the walls are down, the temple's gone, oh my goodness, and, and they're at a very vulnerable state. They need to make friends and they probably need to influence all of them
2: around them, right? What they don't need is hostile neighbors.
1: Think about this. Think about when you moved into your neighborhood. The first thing you did was not go to your neighbors and make enemies. Hey, hi, welcome to the neighborhood. I'll tell you, neighborhood. If I see your dog in my front yard, I mean, and everybody not like you. That's not what we do. But as we see their response, guys, Israel, and here's what I want you to get. Israel evidently thinks that it's more important to please God than to give in to their neighbors. You go, how so? Well, let me give you some application, okay? Listen, we all face the choices like this, don't we? Am I going to be a God-pleaser? Am I going to be a man-pleaser? Am I going to be obedient to God even though it goes against all what my friends are doing? Am I going to be obedient to God even though that everybody around me is kind of running in a different direction? I don't know what to do. That's so, that's so common, if we're serious, man, our friends who don't understand and who are not walking with Jesus, they're always giving us a hassle. Hey, why are you always reading the Bible? Why are you always following God? Why are you always in church? Right? And they're giving us a hassle, man. And we're just like, listen, just relax. You should come. So oh, I'm not going to come. Me and God are all right. But, but think about it.
2: Who's, who's more valuable to help us in times of need, man or God? Now,
1: I want to run through these pretty quick because I don't have that much time. But let me give you eight eight quick ways that we can be God-pleasers, okay? Eight quick ways. And the first one is really simple. Be honest. Be an honest person. Be honest with yourself and with others, no matter how hard it is to face the truth. Remember that the only person you're cheating is yourself. Be honest. Oftentimes, we won't be honest if we feel like it's going to hurt somebody else. And will anybody with me? You'll, you won't exactly say the whole truth, or you might even lie or fudge a little bit because
2: you know that's going to hurt their feelings. How does this new hairstyle look? Hmm, good. What do you think of my new shoes? Oh, wow. Well, I mean, those are just, those are silly
1: examples, But but think about it, guys. Think about it we need to be honest and we need to be honest to be a God pleaser. We need to be honest. You and God are only the people that know what really happened in your life. And you need to just be honest with that. Number two, be humble. You want to be a God pleaser? Be humble. If we could just understand what's going on in the heavens and the price that was paid for us and the price that was paid for mankind, I think we would all walk in humility Guys, listen, we're all progressively trying to get to the same place. It's progressive sanctification. And somebody might be way farther, you know, I can't believe you're doing, you're doing that. You should be up here with me. And there's somebody farther up looking at you going, I can't believe, listen, we should be humble and go, listen, let me help you. And I want to be over there and let's go and let's lift each other's arms up. Let's pray for it. Let's be humble. And when we get prideful, let's remember to be humble. Number three, you want to be a God pleaser? Dedicate time to God.
2: Dedicate time to God. Take some time to really spend time with the Lord. And I don't mean putting on the TV and watching a Christian
1: program. I'm talking you and God. Listen, let me just just encourage you because I want to encourage myself too, okay? Get your Bible, turn off your phone.
2: Get a notebook and get with God alone. And just set a time, 30 minutes. Okay, God, speak to me. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't, oh.
1: It'll drive you crazy the first time because you want to turn on your phone. You want to look. Who's going to get a hold of me? Who's texting me? What should I be? Just you, your Bible, no phone, and get some time
2: alone. Watch what'll happen. Number four don't change who you are for others the
1: only reason you should make a change within your life is for god he wants you to be the best version of yourself don't change who you are for others you want to be a god pleaser don't change who you are for other people just let the lord change you number five hold on to your values hold on to your values don't do not do not cave into temptations or evil. Remember that you have morals and values and stick with them. Hold on to your values. Hey, you want to go do this? No. No. These are my values. Number 6. You ready? Live every day like it's your last. Can we do that? Can we do that? What well, how how would life be different if you you just lived every day like it was your last day? In, in the morning, get up. And say, today I choose joy. Today I choose, I'm, you know, I, I'm just going to focus. I'm just going to be happy today. Whatever comes my way. Listen, because I may not be here tomorrow. Listen, our core value is really simple, is it not? Love God, love people, and what? Help me. Live radically. That means live every day like it's your last. Listen, do not take for granted. Oh, my wife knows I love her. Tell your wife you love her. Tell your kids you love them. Hold them a little bit
2: longer. Tell your friends. Encourage each other. Number seven, you want to be you want to be a God pleaser? Put others before yourself. Put
1: others before yourself. God sacrificed Himself so that you could have a fulfilled life. If God was willing to give His only Son, you we need to be, we need to put others before ourselves. And that's hard. I'm not gonna lie, that's hard. Why? Because I love me.
2: But when we start thinking, I'm just going to I'm gonna put others before me. I'm gonna put others. I wanna be a God pleaser. Number eight, put your faith and trust in Him. You wanna be a God pleaser? Just just put your faith and trust in Him. This is what Israel did, guys, back in our story. Look at verse 3. But Zerubbabel
1: and Jeshua and the rest of the heads of the fathers, the house, said to them. Okay, so here's the reaction, right? You may do nothing with us to build the house for our God. But we alone will build the house to the Lord God of Israel. As King Cyrus of the king of Persia has commanded us. Then the people of the land tried to discourage the people of Judah. They troubled them in building. They hired counselors against them to frustrate their purpose. All the days of King Cyrus of Persia until the reign of Darius, the king of Persia. Now, here's what we're going to do next week, guys. We're going to kind of dissect verse 4, 5, and just kind of move on a little bit. But, but here's what I want you to see. I want you to see. Of course, did you notice their answer? Hey, we want to we want to hang out with you. We're Christian too. no, no. No, we're we're going to build the house of our God. We know you're, you're the enemy. You, you're not going to do anything. Y'all are posers. We got this. We alone will build the house of the Lord. Of course, things get heated up, right? They're going to try to discourage the people. Ever been there? They're going to try to trouble them as
2: they build. Ever been there? They're going to hire councils against them. Ever have been frustrated by the enemy? Of course they have. Zerubbabel and Joshua, the priest, the heads of the clans, they say
1: to them, no, we don't need your help to build the temple for the Lord our God. We will build it ourselves. That was their answer, guys. You're not going to come and compromise my walk. You're not going to get me to compromise. I'm going to follow Jesus. Hey, man, you want and, and, and to go and you want to do this? You want to go and you want to do that? You want to You know, listen, no, I want to walk. I want to walk steady. I want to be a God pleaser. I don't want to compromise. Listen, I love you as a friend, but no, no, no. Zerubbabel and Joshua calls them enemies. These are
2: enemies. These are adversaries. We have to be careful. We have to be careful. We have to be careful. Now we learn that Israel at this point, notice they want to please God more than their
1: neighbors. They're not looking to make friends. But there are times in the lives of individuals that as they compromise their walks, they never recover. Let me give you an illustration of somebody in Scripture who blows my mind, but compromised and never recovered. Okay? It's the lesson of King Solomon. King Solomon, who succeeded his father David, is known to Bible He's known in Bible history as one of the wisest men who ever lived and and basically at the same time he was one of the greatest fools that ever lived. You see although Solomon directly knew God, actually had God speak to him and was greatly blessed by God in his later years, guys he comprom- he, he compromised the truth with pagan trash. He may have been talking to himself when he wrote Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 13, when he said, Bitter is the poor and the wise youth than an old and foolish king who no longer takes advice. Solomon's example is a lesson for all who compromise with what God says is right and acceptable and can carry a very high price. Guys, say goodbye to Ezra and look at 1 Kings 11. We're just going to go through this pretty quick. First Kings chapter 11, it says, but King Solomon loved many foreign women, as well as the daughter of Pharaoh, woman of the Moabites and the Ammonites and the Edomites, Sidonians and the Hittites, and from the nations of whom the Lord had said to the children of Israel, here's, here, here's the decree, guys, you shall not intermarry with them, nor they with you. Why? Everybody say, Why? Surely they will turn your hearts after their gods.
2: And Solomon clung to these in love. Do you guys see that? What was his first mistake? He disobeyed God. God says, Solomon, listen,
1: stay away from these women. Stay away from the fort. do Don't do this, man. Why? Why, Lord? Why? Don't we ever ask the Lord why? Why? Because they're going to turn your hearts from serving me. They're gonna, they're gonna, you're gonna compromise and you're gonna walk. And Solomon's like, God, chill. I got this. I'm okay. Have you seen those women, God? I mean, come on. And, and it's like his first mistake. How do you know? Look at verse three. And Solomon had how many? Seven hundred wives. That's a lot of wives. Princesses and three hundred concubines. Those are Like wives, only they don't get all the benefits. A thousand women. But here's the saddest verse, guys. And his wives turned his heart, for it was so when Solomon was old, that his wives turned his heart after other gods. And his heart was not loyal to the Lord God, as was the heart of his father David. Do you see that? Guys, there's compromise, and that's the whole point. Solomon, you're the wisest dude in the world. You're the wisest man. And Solomon's like, I like women. I like all these women. Don't do it, Solomon. Solomon, dude, sh- chill, chill out, bro. You're like king. You're wise. He's like, no, I like him a
2: lot, right? And so next thing you know, they're turning their heart from serving God. Guys, but, but think about this. Here was a man who talked to God. Who heard his
1: voice. And now his heart was not loyal to the Lord God like his father David. And I want you to notice his behavior. Why? Because what happens first is we compromise and then our behavior follows. You guys with me? We first compromise, we start to. Hearts turn a little bit and notice. For Solomon, what did he do? He went after Astaroth, the goddess of the Sidonians and Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord, and he did not fully follow the Lord as his father David. So what's the first thing we see? He went after foreign gods. Where does it start? Compromise. What else happens? Then Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the, uh, the abomination of Moab, on the hill east of Jerusalem, and for Molech, the abomination of the people to Ammon. And he did likewise for all his foreign wives who burned incense and sacrificed to their gods. And so the Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart was turned from the Lord God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice and commanded him concerning this thing that you should not go after other gods, but he did not keep what the Lord had commanded. Could you imagine?
2: Oh Solomon,
1: oh please, I need to worship my god. Okay, baby, I'll build you a I'll build you a high place. There you go. Okay, don't worry about it. Well, will you go with me? all right well your God says not to oh don't worry about my God me and him got it we got it worked out no the word of God said that God spoke to him twice verse 11 therefore the Lord said to Solomon because you have done this and not kept my covenant and my statues which I commanded you I will surely tear the kingdom away from you and give it to your servants and then he goes on and he tells him that he's not going to do it right now he's going to do it later and and so forth. But let me close
2: with this, guys. Let me close with this. Compromise. For the Israelites, they said, no, 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 no. We're going to see the rest of chapter four
1: is going to be about the enemies trying to get in, trying to get them to compromise, trying to get the work to stop. Israel said, no, we want to follow God. Listen, we've already compromised. That's why we're we were gone for 70 years. We're not going to do it anymore. Solomon?
2: Solomon heard from God himself, and he he missed out, man. It's a downward spiral. When you begin to compromise in your walk with God, it's a downward spiral. Well, Solomon, did you pastor is Solomon in heaven? I don't know. I hope so. But. It says the Lord became angry, Solomon, because his heart turned from the Lord God of Israel. And the Lord talked to him twice and said, don't do it, Solomon. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. What's the lesson that we need to take home? What's the lesson we need to learn? Guard your walks. Guard your walks with God.
1: Enemies want to come in and they want you to compromise just a little bit. Listen, you don't have to be so sold out. You don't have to be radically saved. You don't have to live like that. Seriously. Our church doesn't have church on Wednesday night. We just relax, you know. But really, at the end of the day, God is speaking to you, and he says,
2: don't compromise your walk. Don't do not do it. Don't do it. One little compromise can lead you on a downward spiral that, uh, I pray that we never go there. You go, what do you mean, pastor? Guys, I've been pastoring this church now for 14 years.
1: And I've seen many people come in who are fired up for Jesus. And I, I, I'm going to give my life to God. I, I'm, I'm all in. I'm all in. Pastor, I'm all in. All right, man. All right. Just stay focused.
2: Well, the Christian walk, guys, is not a sprint. It's not a sprint. It's a long race. And I've seen many a man and many a women get frustrated. They get, they get weary waiting around. When's this going to be for me? And we start to compromise a little bit. It doesn't happen overnight, but eventually
1: what happens is the enemy Takes them away. And through the grapevine you hear, Yeah, did you hear that this happened and this happened? And they're not even serving the Lord anymore. And yeah, I saw him out in the world and he
2: was he was plastered drunk and and it breaks my heart. Because God has so much more for us.
1: And, and and that's the lesson we learn in the book of Ezra. The lesson is, is that the enemy wants to come in very subtly and act like they're your friends and they're trying to turn you and trip you up. I want to learn the lesson. I want to learn I don't want to compromise. I want to stay focused, God. I want to finish well. I want to f- Listen, we've all started the race at the same time. We all need to finish. We all need to finish. Father, that's our heart. Stay true to Your Word. And we just thank You for tonight, Lord. We thank You for Your Word and the truth in Your Word. And maybe, Lord, tonight You were speaking to somebody. That you were ministering in only the way that You know how. So, Father, I pray. My prayer is... is as sincere as sincere can be, that you love us and you want to restore us and you want to bring us to a place where we can walk with you. Father, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.